All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, joining me right now on the air, we have lead singer of Bowling for Soup, Jarek Reddick. And uh, yesterday, Jarek, I was on the show talking with comedian Adrian Washington. We were talking about the landscape of music and comedy and how drastically it's changed. Record sales are not what they used to be, forcing bands to be out on the road longer. And I'm, I'm just curious, what is the reality when it comes to uh, music now? Uh, albums used to be the way to make all the cash. Is it just road, road dogging it? I mean, to be quite honest, <clears throat> also, hi. Hi. Um, but uh, <clears throat> to be honest, I mean, I, I don't. who were the bands that were making all this money selling records? You know, I mean, there, there's you, you certainly, you know, can make some revenue when you're first starting up and you're selling them out of the back of the van. But you sign to a label, you, you're not making any money on record sales. I, I, did, I never made a cent off, off of selling music until we got into the streaming world. So, you know, I, it's it's funny to me when I hear, you know, yes, things have changed, but, um, and remarkably so, but, you know, when, when you're, when you sign with a label, you know, you're getting tenths of a cent on each sale of each album, just like you are streaming wise. I mean, obviously it's not, you know, the exact, you know, mirror amount, but, you know, um, you know, it's it's just an ever changing landscape, and um, oh, I've been you know, surprised really... hearing from I, you know I love audiobooks, I love rock and roll, so I'm always listening to different rockers tell their stories. One that blew me away was listening to Roger Daltrey, the lead singer of the Who, and uh, during yeah. one part, and I think I've got this right, he said he didn't start making money from the Who until the 2000s. <laughs> That's right. the reality right. of being a rock star, and even on the road when he did the Tommy. Uh, tour, which was one of their biggest tours ever. He was eating uh, lettuce and, and uh, white bread sandwiches, hoping that he was saving his money only at the end of the tour to find out that uh, uh, Keith Moon had blown all their cash on crashing cars into swimming pools and eating and drinking like there was no tomorrow. And uh, a lot of these celebrities we thought were really wealthy from their massive album successes uh, weren't. Yeah. It's a different different kind of vibe. Well, you know, I mean, I think that it's, you know, it's funny because I think whenever you get artists talking about the business side of music, especially, you know, I feel like it can sound very complainy and very sort of whiny. And, and, you know, I I think, you know, so I think it's important to for, for me to just say just for the sake of conversation that really we're just we're just sort of like opening opening the door and just showing inside what's going on. And, and I think the, the right. main thing that you have to understand is 
every artist has a manager and that manager is making 20% off gross everything. And every manager has an agent and that agent is making 20% off the gross of shows, you know, all shows. Every, every, you know, artist has a, um, has a, has a lawyer and you have crew and you, and you know, then you get into travel expenses. And, and so what's really hurting people right now, touring wise is, and, and as, as ticket prices go up and the concert goer is, is feeling that, you know, bus costs are up, gas, petroleum costs are up, hotel prices are up, food costs are up, you know, and uh, I mean, buses right, right now are, are two and a half times the cost that they were before COVID. Wow. Um, and they were already expensive. And you say, well, why don't you just jump in the van and tour that way? Well, even that, you got to think. I mean, there's 10 of us. Uh, we can't all fit in one van, and we don't get <laughs> hotels when we're on the bus. So right. you're really not saving any money there either. You know, so, um, you know, it's – but, yeah, I, I do believe that. I believe that what what um, Dolce was saying about that because also, you know, again, from record sales standpoint, when you're on a label, you got to get into the sales of like a million, million plus you know, before you're ever going to see any money coming back from that. Um, you and know, people, creative accounting. People, I think they, they look at uh, success stories like the Beatles um, and even with uh, Elvis. But Elvis wasn't just a singer. The guy had his hand in a bunch of different businesses. Uh, he had a, an agent, you know, Tom Parker, Colonel Parker, who, although it was uh, appeared to be scamming him out of a lot of money, was bringing a lot of money to Elvis's uh, world, so he had he was acting and and writing and singing and touring and was constantly on the go. It wasn't like he was just living off of his good looks. There was a lot of hard work that goes behind the success that people don't see. Yeah, yeah, you're you're uh, you're very right, and you know th- that's just it. You know, for me personally, um, you know when I when I really decided that I was going to give this a go, I'm really lucky in that I was self-managed for, for a very long time. But then when I signed with my manager in 2007, you know, he, he really made it, he really painted a picture for me that, that made it to where it made sense for me and how I was going to do this. And that is, you know, he was like, it's very, very difficult to say, make, you know, $150,000 a year, just being a musician. It's very, very difficult. But, you know, what if you did 10 things that made you twelve or $15,000, you know? And that's really the way that I operate. The reason why I got my, started putting my, my foot in so many things, you know, I got into directing and managing and songwriting and then, then later into voice acting and, and, uh, and you know, uh, and, then, and producing. And so, you know, that was always my, the thing about my hustle was that, you know, if I, I want to be able to provide for my family, it's just not easy to do as a touring musician. It's just not. No, and that's part of the reason I wanted to talk with you is I listen to the frustrations of, you know, people around the great state of Minnesota and all around the world as they talk about the rising costs of concerts and concert going, which, you know, I used to love to do. I'm looking at my ticket from uh, Born in the USA tour, and I think I spent 14 bucks, 15 bucks to see Bruce Springsteen perform in 1985 at what would have been the peak of his uh, popularity and, and height of that. 
and even Purple Rain Tour, it was, I think, $17.50 for a ticket to see Prince. And now we're talking hundreds of dollars, sometimes multiple hundreds of dollars. But people forget all of the things you just brought up, all the people you have to pay to keep the machine going and the places you yeah. have to rent and the sound and the lights and the, the setup and tear down and all that goes into it. It's not just fat cats sitting on bankrolls of money. There's a lot that goes yeah. into this, and we're living in a new world where you can't stop at, you know, McDonald's and get a meal for two ninety nine anymore. You're going to walk out twelve fifty for a meal. That means yeah. road travel, even eating junk food just so that you can get by. That's you might as well just go for a steak at that point. I mean, it's it's not that much yeah. difference. You're not wrong. I mean, it, it, we actually, you know, it's funny because there things like Uber Eats and DoorDash have really change the way that we eat anyway. I mean, we're able to get, um, you know, a healthy meal or at least some sort of a deli meal where you can get a salad or a sandwich or whatever, you know, and you're not eating just whatever is across the street all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that you're, you're exactly right. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you sort of, uh, you know, you make your profit on the last few shows of every tour. And, you know, there's, there's, there's artists that can stay out there, for three and four or five months at a time. And, and that's really where the money is, is, is keeping the machine going, but we're dads, you know? Um, so we right. go out for two weeks and we come home for three or four weeks and then we go out for two weeks. And so that's a more expensive way to tour. You know, you're, you've got to get the bus to you, you've got to get there. And um, you know, but again, I, it, it sort of sounds complainy. I, I think, you know, I think the thing with the ticket prices is it's just, you know, the, the that's got to be fixed. You know, it's much like anything else, you know, as, as we start to argue about streaming, you know, it's almost like what the, what the writers just went through, you know, with the screen actors right. Guild and stuff like that, you know, all of this stuff eventually has got to be negotiated and, and made to be fair for everybody. And, and, you know, I, I really understand that, you know, the, for example, the, that, you know, SAG or, I mean, not SAG, but, you know, for a record label is going to get the bigger piece of the pie, but artists got to be able to eat, you know, um, but tick, the ticket thing, that's just going to have to be fixed because it's, it's, you know, the Blink-182 thing just happened and, you know, tickets were supposed to be 40 bucks. And then, you know, Mark Hoppus from the band couldn't even get on and find a ticket for less than a thousand dollars. Something's wrong with the system, right. you know, and, uh, and that money's so not making its way back to the band. It's not making its way to the band, and that's just it, right? The band gets all of the grief, you know, and, and all of the bounce back from it, and we thought you were punk rock and blah, 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 and, you know, I, and I, I think it's going to take a Taylor Swift, and, and I'm being serious. Uh, I think she's going to be able to fix a lot of things because she's in things for the artists themselves, and she's already done so much for artists with streaming and things like that. It's going to take someone like her to be like, hey, we're just not going to play this ticket game. You know, I mean, it, there's ways to do it where the fans can actually get $40 tickets. And, you know, and, and it's not going to hurt her one bit for everybody to be able to pay, pay face value because at the end of the day, that's what's going into her, her end of the tour numbers. It's not $1,000 a ticket. You know, it's right. whatever they are, whether it's $99. That's just it too, right? I mean – Maybe a, maybe face value of a ticket to a Taylor Swift show is ninety nine dollars, but you're seeing a freaking show. You know, it's it's she's bringing a Las Vegas show into a into a freaking stadium. You know, it's not it's not 
you know, this is not a club we're talking about. Right. You're not uh, standing on the corner with one guitar and a bucket. You're you're bringing on a, a big stage show with dancing and music and video and lights and fog and yeah. all type of effect. Uh, we're almost out of time together. Let people know you've got the Rockstar Dad podcast. Uh, where can people yeah. listen to you? How do they listen and how often are you putting out episodes? Guys, uh, Rockstar Dad Show, which, by the way, Dave has been on a few times, and we've got we've got more to do with him. Uh, we always <laughs> like to have you around Halloween, of course, because you're spooky. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so Rockstar Dad Show um, is uh, is the name of that. You can subscribe anywhere uh, that you listen to podcasts. You can find me anywhere at J-A-R-E-T-2113 uh, or on TikTok at Jarrett Reddick. And, of course, my website is just JarrettRayReddick.com. And literally everything I do is right there. Fantastic. And, folks, if you want to follow an entertainer who is gracious to his fans and is entertaining in so many ways, follow the TikTok. Follow his his social media because I follow it. I love what I see. I love the way that you work with the audience. You you listen to cover versions of the songs that you've made famous and uh, have just made yourself so accessible. That's fantastic. I hope that your success with the band and your solo ventures continue to grow. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.